What up? I'm back. Welcome back or welcome to the Earth Aquarium podcast. Y'all thought I was done, didn't you? You all thought this is over. But no, I'm coming at you right here, right now. Um, literally, dryer is on in the background. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, the heater is on in the background. Literally a blizzard outside. Um, yeah, about why this episode is late. Um, for the past like two weeks, I've had a cold and my voice was just absolutely donezo. Like, uh, it was very scratchy, very, very snotty, um, stuff like that. But I'll be back. Um, so no, no more, no more missing out on, on the Earth Cory podcast here. Um, this week, or I guess this month, um, we're going to talk about a phenomena I like to call having bad taste. Um, no, it's just, I, I was thinking like, um, I had, I had some friends over and, uh, we watched a movie called Velocipaster, 10 out of 10 film, by the way, would highly recommend. And, uh, two weeks later, you know, I had some more friends over and we watched it again and I enjoyed it just as much, if not more than the first time. Um, and as you can probably tell by the title, Velocipaster, um, which don't buy it. Like, seriously, if you want it, you can borrow my copy. I have it on DVD. Um, you know, it's it's not a good film. And and watching, like, that film, you know, twice in such succession, whereas, like, there's films I absolutely adore, um, you know, that I, I maybe watch, you know, once every, every uh, you know, year, year or two. And more specifically, I was thinking was video games, um, which we will talk about. I'll just introduce the concept with films, like uh, you know, Shadow of the Colossus. I've been I've been wanting to replay that game, you know, so so badly. Um, or like you know, I, I have I've been trying to play through Dishonored, which is arguably like a a very highly rated game. And every time I like, oh, I should play Dishonored. I'm like. Yeah, but what about like deadly premonition? You know, like what what about something that's like, um, arguably bad? <laughs> like, so I was like, you know, why? What what is it about these things that uh, draws me to them? And then you know, what what about even the whole kind of idea of like cult classics, uh, which these games and these films um, have are are essentially. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna cover that and, and as I said we'll we'll talk about it in films and then the real kind of conversation will happen when I start talking video games, which I think I'm more familiar with uh than films. Um I, I you know I try and talk like a film buff, but I'm I'm really not. Um but the audience, I assume you in your chair doing whatever you're doing is probably more familiar with films than uh than video games. So Well, we'll go through it like that. Um, all right. So when when we talk about cult classics, I think it's it's very um, very easy to get mixed up with like B movies. So let's let's define both of them and kind of go through the the, the history of them. Um, so cult classics come out of when when theaters they would have you know open slots usually at night. Um, and they play older films, 
and they noticed like some of these films would draw an audience you know every night and they're usually at like midnight um stuff like that and these people would like come to watch the film but like mostly you know kind of take the take the piss out of it um and like throw stuff it, it was more like you go watch the film to like have fun watching the film and it'd always be like very dedicated uh fans so they they realized like these films they never made a bunch of money off the start um but they would make you know a little bit of money for for a long long time so it was like valuable to have them um obviously once you know the vhs came along uh these were the movies that were like maybe be directly to vhs or uh they would do real bad in theaters and then have like better better than they expected vhs um vhs kind of like sales um b movies on on the other hand are films that are you know intentionally made as low budget they come out of the golden area of golden era of hollywood um where they make sort of like you'd go watch a double feature and the b movie would be like the second film or the film that like people are less less likely to see kind of the same as like a b side of a cassette you know you expect people to enjoy like the a side that's where all your hits go and your b side's kind of like you know the sleeper hits uh the less popular stuff and these films are generally shorter um they casted cheaper actors sometimes actors would like go up from a b film so they had like you know <clears throat> cut work, work their their uh stay stay on the b films and then uh go go make their way to the a films if they were good um once again like tv became a thing the b film departments in in any studio became like the the direct to tv movies crew so um what hopefully you're seeing here is that you know some b movies can be called films and some called films can be b movies um but it, it more has to do with like the uh, b movies is a budget thing um generally they are you know pretty stupid movies as well although i love to watch them and cult classics can be good movies um that weren't appreciated at their time so maybe they're like high budget um or or they're low budget movies that uh just eventually like found an audience um i like to think of you know like a cult film um if we look at its graph on popularity with the you know x-axis popularity over time or time and the y-axis being popularity like if you think of you know the avengers um it's gonna which is obviously not a b movie or a cult film it's a you know pretty popular popcorn flick um very high popularity at the start once it's released and then it kind of fades and people forget about it um whereas a cult film does not have that high start it kind of starts you know like um at a quarter quarter of the height of the graph and like stays there its entire time um whereas a b movie like they could be popular they could be not um has more more to do with their budget and the fact that they're really not made for a mass audience and i guess some cult films are really not made for a mass audience 
um, just some examples of each. Um, and, and I just picked kind of randomly. I just, you know, read, read it or skimmed a couple articles. Um, I'm trying to, trying to mention films that I think people will know. So I validate your opinions, uh, you little leeches of an audience. Um, but some cult films that I, you know, want, want to call out is like Clerks, um, which is obviously low budget, but I, I think it's a great film. I really like it. Super Troopers, you know, obviously very popular film, uh, very funny. Uh, Monty Python, The Holy Grail, also a cult film. Uh, Office Space, love that film as well. Uh, considered like a cult comedy as well. Super Troopers, Judge Dredd, which I think is a, a very good cinema. It's a very good piece of cinema, very good film, uh, but very underappreciated and then, you know, Rocker Horror, Rocky Horror Picture Show, um, definitely like the quintessential, I would say, that and like the big Lebrowski for films that like people are like, yeah, these are cult classics. Um, both like the Rocky Horror Picture Show obviously pushed it a lot of things that were not in the public conscious when it came out. Um, so big, you know, I'm, I'm glad that film has, has a good, uh, good following. Um, some B-movies. And, and you'll you'll know you'll notice a difference right away and obviously I cherry picked these titles um, but you'll you'll notice kind of what's going on um, when I say the title so you know Hobo with a shotgun B movie great film though um, death race B movie great film Sharknado the whole Sharknado um, you know series is argu arguably I think the best example of uh, what I read about classic B movies in the golden age of Hollywood like these are these are films that are made like lowest common denominator um they're for the b side they usually have lots of like sequels stuff like that uh sharknado cinema masterpiece but very much a b movie and i think is like a cult film um some b movies can become cult classics like let's let's not pretend you know you can't you can't make it because you're low budget um i also in researching this i found a movie called zombievers um, I haven't watched it, but I very much want to. Apparently, there's zombie beavers. Sounds very um, Canadian, and, and I'm totally down for it. Um, now, on to kind of like back to cult films. Now that, now that I've kind of like given you that definition, the difference between like a B movie and a cult film, uh, I'm going to make it a little bit more confusing. And just go over a few types of kind of cult films. And these are straight from Wikipedia, um, as is most of my research, because I'm not, not doing that much reading. Um, and this kind of goes with like the idea of a cult film it makes a subculture around it. So like people people love them, um, you know, even even if they like aren't good, uh, whatever whatever it is like people enjoy and some of them I, I will give examples of um, some of them you know I, I haven't really watched that much um, so like you know the so bad is good type movies um, fun fact the Wikipedia page for this has plan nine from outer space uh, from 1959 in whole you can you can watch it straight off Wikipedia go pirating um, this includes like movies like the room though. So these are movies that are just like super bad, uh, but watching them is enjoyable because they're so bad. And I think this is probably one of my favorite, you know, cult film or 
um, categories. Obviously, The Room is also a B movie because um, that low it takes place in a room and none of the acting is good. Great film though, would highly recommend it. Um, you have the like camp and guilty pleasures films. Um, so these are films that like are arguably again not good, um, but people like them because they're like campy, um, they're ironic, or they just you know they have good heart. Um, so these are these are films that like end up being campy. You know it's really hard to sell for this. Um, oftentimes they'll like be very very clearly like low budget um but trying really hard stuff like that like stuff stuff that you you know you like um they, they've got heart um arguably i would say like um the cat in the hat film which is just objectively terrible um but you know they tried <laughs> they tried um bad film though you know you have the nostalgia films uh, so these are films like people just love uh, because they either call back to um, nostalgia or they like, you know, have them it very, very much nostalgia based in them. So like Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Uh, if you're an, you know, a, a gamer TM uh, like myself, like you're, you're going to you're going to, um, you know, notice all the callbacks and stuff like that. But some some of them, you know, you just like look back of a certain era so maybe Greece or something like that um you know you have your midnight movies these are the classic um cult films that you know were played at midnight um where people would come watch and I'm not gonna not gonna touch on that too much you have your art and exploration type films so these are films that are just like clearly not made for um the average audience so you might have your grindhouse your super gory stuff um anything that's taboo goes in here uh, so they might be like very sexual or something like that just weird like the type of film you wouldn't put on uh when your parents are around because you're like i don't want to explain that um or the type of film you watch and you're like i don't get that um straight out like something something that uh you know, you, you, you look at the wiki um, to figure out, or you watch like, you know, 10 hours of YouTube to figure out what everything means. Um, you have obviously your B-movies, uh, which Wikipedia claims is a, um, a part of cult films, a type of cult films. Um, but I more want to talk about like genre films. So these are films that are just like in a genre that's never going to be super popular. So, you know, you're like kung fu flicks. Um, I, I would say you're like kind of monster movies fit in here, uh, which otherwise I wouldn't touch about in the script. And I know people would be mad. Um, you know, apparently Wikipedia says print the princess bride is, uh, is considered, you know, a genre B film. I would also say like Westerns as a genre, um, fall into this, like, you know, Westerns, they're never going to make, um, especially, you know, especially nowadays, but, um, you know, historically they're never going to make a bunch of money because like, who do they, you know, who's, who's watching, you know, a John Wayne film, uh, besides my dad or my grandpa, um, type, type people. And they're, they're obviously not the ones going to the theaters. Um, 
obviously lots of sci-fi fits in there as well you know you have your animation uh like heavy metal which is weird um kind of animated um anthology films um apparently akira uh which is kind of the movie that brought like anime to the west um like is considered a, a cult classic uh because of this you know uh, because like there's no audience for it um so it obviously didn't do that well at the beginning but now has a huge huge you know fan base uh the final thing that wikipedia talks about um that i'll talk about in cult films is these non-fiction films so these are films usually like that are literally just propaganda that came out like you know 50 years ago and people watch them ironically now uh to hear like the government say something uh that's like super racist or something like that uh very offensive which actually sounds like something i very much want to watch um very very offensive old old government stuff um to watch it watch it ironically or to be like that's that's very strange um anyways off of off of wikipedia here um i do want to talk about cult directors quickly so these are these are directors uh which you know generally all their stuff like they, they have a following so these are these are films that when you watch them you know whose film it is um their films could be good they could be bad but they definitely have their own vision um so like i already mentioned clerks which is a kevin smith film like you you kind of know every kevin smith film as you watch it his is very like own brand of humor um sam raimi obviously uh, he did did the spider-mans which i you know the old spider-mans but is more known for his like horror stuff and he has a very like um his own style if that makes sense wes anderson like you know a wes anderson film um good good or bad like you can tell like he has a as a director is a cult following um quentin tarantino uh if you see feet in a movie it's very clearly his um that's just his thing and people expect that now when they see his movies as well as like ultra violence um not to be so english uh you know or western world um in in this section also there's takashi Mike, um which i recently learned about actually through no more heroes 3 uh which is a cult game which we'll get to and I watched one of those films, and it was absolutely bonkers. It was a Japanese Western film, and the entire thing was in English. And, uh, like, that movie is never going to be successful. Um, it also, he only sold it in Japan. Like, it only went in theaters in Japan. Um, but very funny, very good film. For some reason, Quentin Tarantino was the only actor speaking Japanese in the film. Um, would highly recommend. Will lend out that DVD. Um on to kind of like uh because because i'm talking about directors this kind of goes more into my own thing with video games and that uh like a cult director they have their own style and i think they'll let that style you know dictate the entire thing if that makes sense um and that goes into my like kind of cult video games idea is i think these uh these are games, similar thing. They uh, they could be critical masterpieces. Um, they could have released a high budget or whatever, um, but you know they never found their audience, and now they just have like a, a very passionate uh, fan base, um, that that are just hyped about them. 
Um, my own kind of definition, though, and, like, what I kind of think about when I think of, like, games that I really appreciate that are that are called classics are, like, um, the games prioritize their own themes or the director's vision <laughs> over fun. Um, so th- to get into it, my first example, Deadly Premonition, and Swery is the one who directed that game. Um, Deadly Premonition is a mystery game. You're, you're in a... So, Swery's Japanese. Literally did not know English when he was making this game. Um, I don't think any of his crew really knew English as well. And uh, it leads to, like, his directing of the voice dialogue being absolutely bonkers, which is hilarious. But uh, he wanted to make a game like Twin Peaks. Um, that's why I didn't mention Twin Peaks earlier, by the way. So, you Twin Peaks fans, don't think I didn't didn't know... Maybe you're going to comment on this one. Um, you basically want to make that the game. So, but you're, you're, you know, you're a detective um, and you're in a small American town. And one of the things he did was make, you know, the town. Um, so traversing it was like the same as if you're kind of going through a real world town. So it's slow. Like the driving is not fun. Um, the driving is like driving in real life, like literally a chore. <laughs> Um, you have to pay for gas and stuff like that. Um, you know, there's a there's a day-night cycle. There's a time cycle. Shops are only open during certain times. Stuff like that. And that's because you want to prioritize, like, the setting and make being in the setting, like, part of the game. Um, even though it is, like, objectively not fun. Like, would would say, the, dri- the driving is incredibly boring. Um, but without the driving, like the game wouldn't have the same type of, uh, you know, type of ambience, type of feel. And even, even like the ham-fisted in zombie shooting sections, um, which are kind of a clear knockoff of Resident Evil 4, like they're not really that good. Um, but they add, they add charm to the game. They, they add the little bit like horror aspect, um, and, and sort of the, the supernatural aspect that, um, you know, York uses to solve crimes. So I love this game. And this is actually the whole reason I'm making this podcast episode is because, like, I, I want to play, like, good games. And I'm like, oh, I need to play Deadly Premonition, or Deadly Premonition again. Um, this game's obviously, like, not successful in the uh, um, financially at all, but has a, has a huge cult following online, like, People either love it or hate this game, and you know maybe only one fifth of people are arguably like one tenth, um, one in ten people love this like this game, but the people who like it like love it because and and I love it even though it's like not fun in a lot of ways. Like it's very clear Swery's vision came through, um, which I think is super cool. Um, can't talk about Swery without talking about Suda Fifty One who you know, uh, made all the No More Heroes games, so 1, 2, and 3. These games are ultra-violent, kind of grindhouse, um, very, like, vulgar humor. Um, for example, you use a beam katana, like a lightsaber, and the first game's on Wii, and to charge it up, you have to do a wanking motion. Like, stuff like that. Uh, like, these games were never going to be wildly um, successful, but they've got so much vision and they, they kind of ooze with that Suda 51 style that they're they're very fun. And and they are very much like a, um, like the story's bonkers and stuff like that. 
very very cool game um that being said like this game's not a critical masterpiece like there's a, there's a lot of just like chores in it a lot of busy work um like for example in no more heroes 2 um, lots of the game has to do with grinding for cash doing like really busy work mini games that aren't fun and like in no more heroes 2 he made a bunch of kind of 8-bit retro games that you have to play to you know get cash but these are essentially all just like one button very simple timing based mini games so it's like what's the point like we have to do this grind to get to the good stuff and the grind's not fun like it's it's all right like for the first little bit but it's just not enjoyable um to get to the like boss fights which make up the the vast majority of like the good gameplay um but without the grind without that boring section you know you wouldn't be as pumped when you got to the boss fight so is is removal of fun for his own vision like you know why he's doing it um and of course there's there's like a reason for it but like why like because of that it's going to turn off a lot of players and therefore in my opinion you got that called video game you're prioritizing themes or vision over fun um some people would argue shadow of the colossus is a cult classic shadow of the colossus is arguably a masterpiece um, and anyone who doesn't see that, um, I'm gonna gonna say bad taste. Um, but it's a it's a game that's very quiet. It's very intro introspective. Um, you're off. You are always almost alone, minus your horse. And playing the game makes you feel bad. Um, sort of. You know, you you realize eventually that you are the villain, um, even though you're the protagonist. You are the bad guy, and. Apparently the game didn't get a huge following. It got a remaster on PS4, um, which I still haven't played yet. But I would say, you know, incredibly good game. Um, Spec Ops The Line. I like using this as an example of a kind of cult, cult classic game. Um, so Spec Ops The Line is a, you know, third-person cover-based shooter, which are literally a dime a dozen. Like, the era this game came out, it came out, everyone's like, oh, another cover-based third-person shooter, and then, like, threw it in the bin. Um, but Spec Ops Online uses that. Like, it knows it's it's uh, not doing anything new with the genre and therefore does not really need to exist to use this narrative uh, to be really introspective of the shooting genre. And, like, the whole time you're kind of, you know, killing people in the game, you're like, why am I doing this? Um it really questions you as a player. Like, are you a psychopath? And I think that's really interesting. Um, definitely, like, a lot of people aren't aren't going to be happy with that. Um, you know, with Call of Duty, like, selling gangbusters all the time. Um, a game where you're still, like, doing that Call of Duty stuff, and then the game being like, dude, you're a psychopath. <laughs> um, definitely wild. Uh, Mr. Mosquito uh, is a game I want to bring up. Just because it's a PS2 game. And uh, it's a game where you literally just play as a mosquito. And you go around this Japanese house um, sucking the people's blood. Um, straight out. And the game's broken into levels. Like, I don't, I genuinely don't know why they sold it in North America. This game is Japanese through and through. It is very strange. Um, you know, I, I can't seem to get past the uh, the person taking a bath level that you have to suck their blood um I'll, I'll leave it at that very japanese um but like 
they they take being a mosquito to the full degree like the the flying you are a mosquito you are tiny in a giant room like if the fans on you know you you know that stuff um which you think they could have made it a bit more arcadey uh, a bit more easier to fly a bit more easy to get around a bit more easier to to suck the blood which is actually like not easy um but I, I appreciate they kept the vision because because of it the game has so much more personality um but there's also um because because i'm talking about called classics i feel like um and and if you know anything about me you know i have a bit of a retro game uh collection uh one of my favorite things to collect is uh games that are so bad they're good now some of these are called classics arguably none of these in this next list are um the game the games i just read are games that are like yeah you know these are these are generally good like i want to want to preserve these um but the games below the games coming now are games that are like so bad i'm like guys guys let's let's play this and they're like please no please please i don't want to i'm like no it, it will be fun and you, you play for like you know half an hour an hour and you're like who made this why did this happen um but I thought it would be a fun little closeout uh, because this podcast has, you know, um, lost, literally lost the plot that we we might as well just talk about those before we call it. Um, so Star Trek 2009, the game is a third person cover based shooter like Spec Ops The Line. Um, you play as Kirk or Spock. It's a co-op one. Generally not a good game. It's a PS3 game. Looks like it was made on the GameCube. And it's like not fun. <laughs> Nothing in game really works normally. It's just bad. Um, Duck Dynasty, the game. This is a licensed game. Lots of this list is licensed games. These are games that are made to like, you know, because what everything is popular. So you you create a like cheap, very cheap to make video game. You sell it for a kind of regular price and you, you make a bunch of money off the brand. Uh, the Duck Dynasty game, I have two copies. Do not Do not regret owning both of them um absolute masterpiece uh would would never refer to it as fun um or competent as a video game but definitely like a good time to be like hey you guys want to play this um the history channel has a few games um i have two of them at the moment i believe there's three um one of them is like a shooter um based on the civil war and it's made by Activision, who makes Call of Duty, and they clearly use their Call of Duty engine. Like, I, I think they just gave it to, or it was obviously uh, produced by Activision, not made. Um, I don't know which dev studio made it, but it clearly, like, gave them the, like, kind of classic Call of Duty engine, and then they put no effort into it. Like, the guns aren't even kind of muscle loaders, um, which I assume you'd have during the Civil War. I don't know. Um, but... The weird thing about this game is you play the predominant like in the in the single player which is really all there is you mostly play as the south uh very strange very weirdly political um very weird very much makes the north come out as the bad guys or you know feel like the bad guys um glad i own it very confused um i also have a james um general is a james patterson general patterson game um, which actually is pretty competent, um, but clearly I'm, I'm not a history nerd, but my, my friends who are into history uh, very much told me that this game is a clear like pro-patent propaganda, which is interesting. Um, 
Star Wars Super Bomb Bad Racing. Uh, so this is a Star Wars quote-unquote kart racing game. Um, very bad. I don't know what a bomb bad is. Uh, but you can play as Boss Nass. So 10 out of 10 game. Uh, NRA Gun Club. Um, this is a game that was sponsored or well, paid for, bought, I guess made, uh, or they produced the funds for it by the NRA, um, which I would say is a quasi-terrorist organization, uh, which is kind of cool. Maybe this is the only... I'm definitely going to cancel for this. Um, you know, the only, you know, terrorist-funded video game. Who knows? I don't know. Um, uh, but it's it's a non-violent first-person shooter, so you, like, target shoot. Weirdly way too hard. Uh, very strange. Very weird. Not fun. Um, you know, PBR, uh, like the bull riding. There's a game for... They, they have a game. Uh, where you can either play as a bull or the rider, and then it's just kind of like a mini game where you have to like move the controller stick and press buttons in the right sequence to stay on the bull or to buck off the rider. Um, you know, weirdly, they, they use a lot of the likenesses of the bulls and the riders of that era in the game. I'm going to guess those guys got no money um, or very little because I, do, I doubt they have good contracts, considering they are generally uh, competing for trucks and belt buckles. Um, so, I don't know, maybe I'm going to cancel it here as well. But I uh, would, not, would not say they have good employment lawyers. Um, Jackass, a video game. So, if you remember the Jackass series, which arguably are B-movies, in my opinion, low-budget um, films that are not made for the kind of mass audience. Um, this is a mini game collection. It's just not fun, but you play as like the, the guys, uh, the people from Jackass. Um, to do a little bit of older games, you know, Bubsy, uh, terrible game. It's like they tried to make Sonic, but also make it Mario, and they succeeded at neither of those. And you play as a cat. Um, cool Spot, uh, which is a game where you play as Seven Up's mascot. Um, weird kind of Mega Man clone. I think you have a gun in it. I don't remember. It's not really important. Um, but you play as a little red dot with arms and legs. And, uh, you repeat every level twice for some reason. Very strange. Um, that's all I really want to talk about in terms of, like, cult stuff. Um, I'm so fascinated by it. I wonder, you know, why do I enjoy this stuff? It's objectively bad. But uh, I think if I had to say, like, why, why, um, it's because whoever made it clearly put their heart on the line. Like, they didn't compromise because of someone else. And because of that, even if the, the final product is not, like, not palatable to me or not as palatable to me as someone who would, would like, hyper, hyper make something for me, or make it in a way that like I would guarantee love it. Um, I do have to respect the hustle and respect the fact that they, you know, made something for their own vision um, and then got that through. Um, hopefully, I'm not not late for next month. Um, but otherwise, you know, listen to this podcast, share it to your friends, watch a watch a bad film. You know, there's tons on Netflix, especially we're going into the holiday season. And I feel like most Hallmark movies are B-movies. Um, they're definitely, like, terrible films. Um, 
you can cancel me for that opinion and I will stand for it. That doesn't mean I won't watch them. Like, hell yeah, you know, give me give me a Hallmark film and a six-pack and I'm happy. But I uh, would not say they're good films. Um, otherwise, you know, don't do anything I wouldn't do or haven't done. I want to see you all here next month.